so excited to have our friend Paul McGuire Grimes uh, from Paul's Trip to the Movies with us on the Colleen and Bradley show. My Talk 1071. I'm Colleen Lindstrom. That's Bradley Trainer. Hi. Hi. And Paul McGuire Grimes, thank you for joining us on this day after hey, a great big day. Hi. <laughs> Hey, thanks for having me. You know, I mean, uh, it's no big deal. No, it's not like much was going on no, last night. That's pretty, not much to talk about. But yeah. you know, we're not going to talk about that thing. We talked about it a little bit earlier no. in the show. It will be talked about as the days go by. Worry not. Mm-hmm. What, but, but what people might be failing to remember is an entire uh, telecast uh, happened around that moment and awards were given. So, Paul, what what what's the thing that was sort of the biggest surprise to you about the awards last night? The biggest surprise about the awards, I would say maybe if I think the biggest surprise is that they were all kind of predictable. Mm. You know, some years there's like an upset win, like last year. Everyone thought Chadwick Boseman was going to win and then Anthony Hopkins did. Nobody really thought last year that Francis McDormand was going to win, and then she did. Where I feel like this year, we all kind of knew who the actors were that were going to win. Mm-hmm. And so many other categories, like you could almost predict, like there was this easiness about who was going to win. That being said, I love the winners. You know, I love the representation and the visibility that these movies, these actors, these stories are now giving to audience members that are looking to watch these movies and like learn about them maybe for the first time. Yeah, I you, think that is what's really important here. You know, I the thing that just paints the picture for what you just said for me is that while we watched last night, you know, my partner watches all the movies every year and it's a big thing. And I know he was actually texting with you throughout the season to just yeah. kind of like see, like, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And literally he was he did. Like, normally he has a good sense of who's going to win, and he'll predict, and then he plays this game with himself where he keeps track of who won. And last night, for a good chunk of the awards, he was getting the, like, predictable ones down, and there were only a couple that he didn't agree with. But for the most part, to your point, a lot of it seemed very predictable in terms of, of who won. That said, can you explain specifically about coda winning because it seemed like perhaps the the wins for that movie uh the likelihood that it was going to win increased over the last you know weeks Mm -hmm. and months yeah can you tell uh, tell us why you think that is like their chances seem to increase yes so coda had this kind of late season buzz so let's not forget too that coda originally premiered at last year's Sundance Film Festival. Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, so many movies come out around Christmas to get that kind of, that time frame. This movie came out so long ago. And I think, you know, it didn't play into the festivals late in the season. I think, you know, as people were seeing it, they're like, oh my goodness, like this is a a feel-good movie about an underrepresented community. My eyes are being opened. You then have all the feels, whether you are laughing, whether you are crying. I think people saw that and saw something in that story that resonated with them in a way that I don't think something like The Power of the Dog or maybe A Drive My Car, that that maybe felt a little bit more distant with people. Mm. You know, and let's not forget that Best Picture is actually a ranked choice of voting. So I think you had a lot of Academy members that voted CODA maybe in spot number one, number two, number three, where you had another half maybe that voted Power of the Dog as number one, and then you've got the Sam Elliott's, the the curmudgeonly Sam Elliott's that maybe (laughs) voted Power of the Dog number nine, number ten. So, like, 
that is a polarizing movie that some people love. That is cinema with a capital C. And it's not to say that Coda isn't, but it's the feel-good movie. It's something that you can latch onto and feel good about right now, which I think what people want. I, yeah, I feel like there's something very uh, oddly accessible about Coda. Um, but yeah. also, like you said, gives you a lens into a culture that you are not, that the majority of us are not um, thinking about on the daily right. basis. And just how challenging it can be, especially if you're trying to build a business or, you know, find your own voice in the community. And how does, what does communication look like as we saw in right. that movie? And the, and the performances, what, you know, from Troy Kotzer, who won Best Supporting Actor, he's the second actor who happens to be deaf, um, win after Marley Matlin so many years ago. Mm-hmm. And of course, she's the mom in the movie. And then, I, and then Sean Hader, who re- wrote the adaptation of the screenplay, she won for Best Adapted Screenplay. So it was only nominated for three awards last night, too. It wasn't something like Dune or Power of the Dog. It had a, like tons of nominations, and it won all three. You know, Jane Campion did win for Best uh, Director. She is the, the second female in a row to win Best Director She you know, for The Power of the Dog. And then, of course, Coda, the second Best Picture winner in a row, directed by a woman as well, since Sean Hader directed it as well. Paul, can you talk a little bit about, you know, you referenced representation, and of course, you know, it's always important, but can you talk a little bit more about some of the other representation that was highlighted in the wins last night? Yeah, so let's talk about Ariana DeBose. I mean, she is someone that had And, like, I don't want to, like, you know, boil her down to her outfit, but, like, not only were the words coming out of her mouth amazing... She looked good doing it. But she looked amazing as well. (laughs) Thank you. That's all I wanted to share. I'm, she was wearing a good pantsuit with, but but like it looked like a dress, but it was actually pants. Stunning, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's been winning every award season broadcast up until this point, and we knew she was going to win. But what's so important about Ariana DeBose is that she's like the first openly queer woman of color. She's an Afro Latina. She's the second Latina to win an Oscar, like ever. So again, and then her and her speech calling attention to that at a time right now when the LGBTQ plus community is basically under attack in so many states and to say, hey, your visit, like if you are feeling in a gray space right now, if you are feeling not seen or heard, I like this idea of I see you and your dreams can come true. And she just represents that so well. And makes it possible for other so many people out there that may feel marginalized to think, no, there's I have a community out there and I can get somewhere in life. You know? And she's if you've not seen West Side Story, go watch She it. is literally movie. one of the best, if not the best thing in that movie. Yeah. And if you are a fan of hers or if maybe this is the only thing you have seen her, she's also in The Prom, which is on Netflix. She's also in the original cast of Hamilton, which is on Disney Plus. So you can maybe kind of get to see some of her other work as well and know that she is this she is here. She's a force. I will also just say I was so thankful that that award happens early in the show. And I I do feel (laughs) like she set a tone. And it was beautifully done. And so just from like a telecast perspective, it 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 sort of like set the tone for what we were to expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we saw that later on with Jessica Chastain. You know, she wanted to call attention to that too because of playing Tammy Faye Baker 
and the visibility that Tammy Faye brought to the gay community. Mm. Um, and that award for Jessica, you know, Bradley, you kind of talked about this earlier, is, was really important to her because she, she saw the documentary, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, from the year 2000 and has been kind of obsessed with wanting to tell Tammy Faye Baker's story. She produced the movie. She's been working for like a decade trying to build it, bring it to the big screen. So I think, you know, I think that win for her, for Jessica, was just so important as a storyteller, as a producer. And then knowing that her creative team won makeup and hairstyling as well for the movie was great for Jessica as well. Yeah, it was just so great. I'm like, I just feel awesome for her. And I loved the movie, which is why I feel, you know, yeah. particularly um, emotional about it. But what I will say is like, it, what's so interesting is she part of the reason she felt like it was so important to tell that story is because the media did such a job. And we've seen these stories now multiply over the last few years where we look back and see how much the media mischaracterized a human being and stereotyped yes. them. And that yes. absolutely happened with Tammy Faye. And, you know, you, you saw that even the last night in the telecast with, you know, um, and I don't remember who did the impression of her, but I was like, they just boil her down to like the, the crazy lady with, you know, the makeup and she, that movie just told you such a different tale of her. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, I want to call people attention to Summer of Soul winning documentary feature from Questlove. This is streaming on Hulu right now and such a phenomenal documentary about the Harlem Cultural Festival at a time, you know, when they were trying to use music to use their voice and the erasure of black culture and how we're now knowing that story too. So like getting these stories told is so fantastic quest love should get a do-over i agree i was just gonna say I'm <laughs> like so we should glad. all show up tomorrow night For at like 7 p.m and just let him, him do his hour. thing again <laughs> give him a full hour yeah. i was you know i was just gonna say i'm really glad actually that you brought that up uh paul because that was one of the i mean there were many things that were incredibly unfortunate about what happened last night between will smith and chris rock and and for me the immediate pang of grief I felt was for Questlove who had to Mm -hmm. in the middle of that hanging thick tension um, accept an award for something so spectacular that he had shined a light on Mm -hmm. and did so well and um, I just was sad for him and I'm with you Bradley yes let's all show up and like I'm here for it give him his moment because it just it was unfortunate that that got taken away from him in that way without his control and, and again, even in the um, like oh, Q&A room afterwards, journalists were like, hey, can you comment on that? Like, how did it feel? And he's like, I'm not going to comment on that. I want to talk about the whole Harlem culture. Yes, yes thank you. About. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, shame on the reporters. Quote about that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, Paul McGuire Grimes, uh, thank you for showing up for us today. Um, I know that you, this is a, it's like literally a high holy day in your life. Uh, the day of the Oscars. <laughs> and so, Go get some sleep. Yes. Paul. Thank you for we'll give you a late slot on purpose. Uh, thank you for <laughs> thank talking you. with us and we'll talk to you thank again you uh, soon. Paul McGuire Grimes. That's Paul McGuire Grimes from Paul's trip to the movies. Uh, he does usually join us on Fridays to tell us what we should be streaming. But of course, like I, this is his day. That was his uh, last night was his Super Bowl, his Super Bowl. So um, I'm glad that we had the moment to talk with him when we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show. Um, Kevin Hunter, the ex of Wendy Williams, has some stuff to say. We shall review it when we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show on My Talk 1071. The ex husband of Wendy Williams uh, has been saying some stuff out loud. And I think we're both kind of wondering why, but also, what is he saying? This is the Colleen and Bradley show. 
My Talk 107.1. I'm Colleen Lindstrom. That's Bradley Trainer. Hi. And um, what's uh, what's happening over there? Well, okay, so I wanted to talk about something that Kevin Hunter, the ex of one Wendy Williams, is saying about things that happened years ago, Like, but he's talking about them now, and I'm, I'm just curious about what that timing is about. And Holly, I didn't give you a heads up, but I think maybe we should get the Cobra Gang together. That's probably a good idea. Whenever there's trouble, we'll throw the double with the Cobra Gang. If you've got the crime, we've got the time with the Cobra So, it's true. Quote, I take full responsibility for my actions. Kevin Hunter had quite a lot to say on Instagram as he addressed hurting Wendy Williams. Well, it's March of 2022, mm-hmm. and this is nothing new. In fact, oh gosh, how long has it been now? I'm trying to remember. Maybe, well, it's certainly been a year at the very oh, least. Oh yeah, it's been a long time. That the two of them were officially not together, and based on the pandemic, it could have been a lot longer. I just can't remember. What so anyway, um, on Instagram, he said some of the following words. When it comes to... Uh, And this all comes, by the way, to to just give you some added context before I tell you exactly what ex-Kevin Hunter now has to say about his relationship with Wendy Williams. This all comes on the heel of Wendy Wendy Williams seemingly at at a place of lack of control in her life. Like, there's some financial issues that are out there. Like, people are questioning whether she's able to, like, make basic decisions for herself. And he has shown up more than once, and most recently on Instagram, to say things like, when it comes to whatever narratives might be spun out there regarding me, my entire family, I want to first and foremost say I truly respect all I was able to experience with my ex-wife and what we were able to accomplish. What she has clearly accomplished on her own and her own merit and what we're able to accomplish together. When it comes to my personal life and what the public has been able to see in real time, I take full accountability for my actions and understand how I might have hurt a lot of people. And he also, it, it's funny, he like doesn't come out and say, like, I hurt Wendy Williams. He says, I did hurt somebody. For that, I wish her nothing but the best and wellness and support. So, okay, I mean, that like mm. those are all good words, right? <clears throat> yeah, but also it's the timing, it's the choice of venue and the choice of words that make me feel like this is not authentic, um, that there's a reason for it, and maybe it's uh, like a good PR situation, and maybe there's a reason he feels like he needs some good PR. Well, and you'll remember in February, back in February, he filed a civil lawsuit in New York against Debmar Mercury, which is the uh-huh. production company or was the production company of Wendy Williams' eponymous show, The Wendy Williams Show. That's why it's eponymous. If mm-hmm. it wasn't, it would be weird. Anyway, um, he filed a civil lawsuit against Debmar Mercury seeking like millions of dollars, millions in dollars uh, in damages saying that he was fired unfairly and so like wrongful termination so that happened in february and now recently you've got this like wendy williams isn't in control of her money thing that's sitting out there Mm -hmm. so it's just weird to me that all of a sudden a month later he's showing up in the comments basically Mm -hmm. i mean it's on instagram right but um i i just don't i don't understand what the point of like 
saying, oh, I was wrong and I did horrible things. I don't know what that's supposed to do. Like, it seems a little retroactive is all I'm saying. Right. Or, yes, retroactive and also possibly proactive for whatever investigation may go on about. I don't know. I keep on going back to the blind item that he's somehow involved in trying to access her money and might have something to do with the scuffle, uh, which is not the proper term, but whatever that the, whatever's going on between her and Wells Fargo, that there may be something he's trying to preemptively cover for. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. That, we but, don't. Yeah. But it. But I think our spidey senses should be tingling. Yeah, I would just say watch this space. Yes, watch this space. When we return on the Colleen and Bradley show, listen to this space because we're going to bring you some dumb people doing dumb things. Crazy, stupid. Idiots. After this on My Talk 107.1. I guess one could say, that's a crazy, stupid idiot. Colleen and Bradley present CSI. It stands for Crazy Stupid Idiots. Crazy Stupid Idiots. Dumb people doing dumb things repeatedly over and over again. Oftentimes in the state of Florida. Florida. Sometimes other places. Like? We are going to South Carolina. Yay! Oof. And there we are going to meet uh, our friends. They're not our friends. 30-year-old Hunter Howard and 47-year-old Andrew Doty. They're both security guards at a resort in Hilton Head, uh, South Carolina. Um, and they, But they are not security guards anymore. Okay. They, they aren't any longer. And the reason why they are not is what makes them crazy, stupid idiots. Okay. Mm. So they didn't like their boss. Mm, well, it happens. <laughs> and they were I like, mean, not that I would know no, currently what that's like. Of course not. Of course not. Of course, of course not. not. Love, love. The Arthur. Oh, that's, yeah, that's our boss. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, but they did not like their boss. And they were like, what? We got to, I don't know. We got to do something about this. So... Um, they started to serve their boss coffee, uh, but they added a little something, something to it. Oh, God. Not one of these. Yeah. Do you want to know what they added to it? He. No. Um, Who? Uh, the stuff no. that like makes you do stuff. Like x yeah. No. Nope. 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 Oh, is it like nope. happy stuff? Nope. Okay, good. Uh, they put eye drops in the oh, bosses. Oh, phew. God, okay. Oh, no, cool. no, 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 no few, no, no, though. No, no, but no, better no, than... Oh, yes, few, because think about, like, the other things people have put in beverages that come from the human body. True, true. However, lest you think uh, eye drops would do just a minimal amount of damage, actually, it can... Drop your blood pressure oh. to dangerous levels. That's terrifying. Yes. So they weren't just like trying to play a prank on their boss. They were actually trying to kill their boss oh, uh, no. with eye drops. Well, that's terrible. Terrible. Uh, oh, by the way, it wasn't in the coffee. It was in the coffee maker. So then the coffee would go through it. Uh, but somebody apparently caught them doing this uh, and told management. So the their boss didn't end up drinking any of the coffee. Um, and the cops came instead and arrested these two individuals for tampering with a human drug product or food item, which is in fact a felony. 
and uh, they could face up to they are facing up to twenty wow. years in prison. That's that's intense. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, that's a lot. I always thought eye drops were like a, a laxative too. Like it made you go to the bathroom. I don't know why I thought the same thing, but I am I am in, like I think it is important to know that you can consume dangerous levels. Yeah. Of also, also why would you ever drink? Drop. Don't drink eye drops. Don't do it. Yeah. It says it right there on the. No, thank you. No, thanks. Where are we going next? We are going to Ohio, Ohio. specifically suburban Cleveland, which I can't think of any place I'd rather go less than suburban Cleveland. Listen, I heard Cleveland rocks. But does suburban Cleveland? That I don't know. I doubt it. Anyway, I want to take you specifically to uh, a KFC in suburban Cleveland. Ooh, is it one of those all-you-can-eat ones? I've still never I don't know. You haven't been to one? I've never been. You didn't go uh, when the whole station no, went? No, because remember we were here. That's right. We were on the air. I have since they gone and... some biscuits. There are... I'm just... Yeah. Uh, okay. Next story. <laughs> um, the KFC in suburban Cleveland that I'm telling you about is uh, particularly the place where this crazy stupid idiot story... I'm going to start my words over Happy again. Monday. On Tuesday evening, a lady by the name of Lisa called 911 to be, uh, well, to report being upset. Mm. And it's what she was upset about that earned her crazy, stupid idiot status. So she's the crazy, stupid idiot. Yeah. Okay, so she was upset. She called police, and this all took place after an encounter at the KFC. She called the police because she was upset that there was not the proper ratio of dark meat to light meat in her bucket of extra crispy. No, but I could kind of understand that. <laughs> I could okay. kind of understand so that. that wasn't it. You should have, I don't know, I mean, I just want the whole chicken. I want two pieces of everything. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, when I, if I were to get an order, I would say I want, you know, my full order, right? Like, I want to order a whole chicken that's eight pieces. Mm-hmm. Well, if you then got four pieces instead of eight, you'd be upset. Yeah, if right? you were expecting the whole chicken. Well, that's exactly what happened to Lisa Castro. Uh-oh. Which is why she picked up the phone and complained, because she was upset that she got only four pieces of chicken instead of eight. And not only that, the manager at the KFC in suburban Cleveland said, I'm not giving you the rest of your chicken. <gasps> But she paid for the whole chicken. Yes. So is, if you ask me, that's theft. And I would call yeah. the 9 1 and the 1. Well, turns out um, police did not agree with her. And they arrived at the KFC and explained to the lady that her chicken beef was not a police matter and that she should take her beef to Judge Judy. That's a small claims mm. experience. Keep off the 9-1 and the 1. Now, there were no charges filed, so it's not like she was arrested, but an incorrect drive through order is apparently not considered a police matter. But if you ask me, if I ordered eight pieces and you only gave me four and I paid for them, what do you call that? Uh, th- thievery. Th- I, it sounds like theft it's to thievery. me. It's definitely thievery. It's chicken theft. It's theft by... By by withholding the chicken. With, yeah, theft by extra crispy. Yeah, that's rude. Yeah, no charges were filed, as I said. Is the she going to go on Judge Judy, though? No, but she should. I don't understand why the manager had to be so rude. Why well, you gotta be so rude. I agree. 
female chicken. waited in a 2020 gray dodge journey upset because she only got four pieces of chicken in, instead of eight and the manager won't give her the rest of her chicken that is just I, why wouldn't the police officer at least go inside and be like dude give did her she her pay chicken. for the chicken right give her the chicken right i also am sort of consuming myself with trying to decide like what the character of her upset looked like like was she sad and crying like was she forlorn because she was missing half a chicken was she upset in an angry way i mean how did she present that's what i'm curious about but I, we don't have that answer no, i just I, have i don't know i just and am preoccupied would it ultimately with that. matter no but it just, just would tell me what kind of soundtrack I everyone need will be for okay. the story true true for our next story we are going to denver that's in colorado and we're going to meet Arslan Gooney. Oh, okay. Is she in that movie? It's a he, and no. Um, not that I know of, but that's a great question. 71 years of age, and um, he got arrested. He got arrested, and listen, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I think we need to spot the crazy, stupid idiot in here. Okay. Because I think there's a lot of people who may... I just, I'm wondering if the punishment fits... The crime, and if he really needed to do the time. 71-year-old Arslan Gooney is a big, huge fan of a sport that is sweeping the nation, especially in the 71-year-old crowd. Um, I lie. Pickleball? It's called pickleball. Oh, okay. And Mr. Gooney and friends like to play at the local rec center on their indoor court. Well, their indoor court is also a basketball court. It does have some markings on it for pickleball, and it's set up for them to play their pickleball. However, it is missing uh, an important um, uh, out-of-bounds marking. Boundary marking, I'll say. I don't know nothing about pickleball. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like uh, you know, Doesn't Julia tennis, play smaller. pickleball? She plays actual real tennis. Is it like mini? No, I think she plays pickleball. Yeah. I've heard Does her she? talking about it lately. So mini tennis So here's how I explain it. It's literally like human ping pong. Like, you're on the table. Versus what, animal ping pong? No, it's like, you know, instead, it's like you're the you're on the table playing with the paddle. It's a slightly bigger paddle than a ping pong paddle, but smaller than a tennis paddle racket okay the court is smaller but it acts like ping pong all right um our family plays it we play a game called good attitude uh pickleball where we don't score we just try to volley as long as possible um that's not how you play it there actually are rules and there's boundaries and mr gooney uh did not feel as though the boundaries were well marked and so he took it upon himself and upon his sharpie to actually draw the out of bounds lines on the on the court at the rec center. Okay. And they were like, no, dude, that is um, basically vandalism. And then they called the cops and he was arrested. He was released on his own recognizance. So he vandalized the pickleball court to like... For the betterment of the game. And he's been suspended from all Denver rec centers indefinitely. If convicted, he faces one to three years in jail for criminal mischief. Wow. Yeah. That's on his record. He's going to have to live his whole life with that on his record. Really? Mischief. All for the pickleball. He did it for the pickleball.
When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, it's time to play a little game, and that game is called The Throwback. Why? We'll do that after this on My Talk 1071.